David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Before we get going, David and I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in as we embark on our fifth year of Sports and Torts, if I figured this out right. Our guest today, former Miami Dolphin offensive lineman Bob Kuchenberg. Here's David and my interview with the legendary Dolphin. I see that you uh, were born in Gary, Indiana, and then you went to Notre Dame. Did everybody from Indiana want to go to Notre Dame back then? Because I know uh, Alex Karras uh, didn't. He went over to Indiana a little before your time. No, he went to Iowa. Iowa, sorry. I knew it was one of those I's. But he did have a brother, Ted, who went to Indiana. Ted Karras. Okay, that's right. We got the two Karras mixed up. Yeah, actually, there were... uh, Several uh, high school. They started Gary Emerson, and uh, and uh, he was quite a few years ahead of ahead of me. But he uh, certainly was a legend uh, in the Gary uh, Hobart uh, Indiana region. Did Coach Parsegian uh, recruit you? He did, yes. But there's an interesting twist to that. Go ahead. Um, my my high school, Hobart, Indiana, um, is one of the prestige uh, over time. Uh, there was a period where, in an 11-year period, we were in seven state championship games, and I think won five of the seven. And um, and so we've had a reputation. And the reason, the cause of that reputation is a man named Russ Deal, Russell Deal. Coach Russ Deal, nicknamed Mutt, M-U-T-T. And he was the captain of the Indiana Hoosiers 1945 Rose Bowl team. Then uh, he coached another guy named Don Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L, uh, who became the head coach after Russ and uh, set all the records for Indiana wins and so on and so forth, Indiana high school football wins. So they're both in the Indiana Hall of Fame, and because of those two uh, rugged warriors, uh, they put Hobart on the football map. And uh, and, and then, ironically, uh, several of uh, Ted's Karras' kids uh, played uh, at Hobart, our high school. <laughs> So. You also had a, an older brother, Rudy, who was a pretty good football player. He ended up in Indiana and uh, also played some Yeah, well, that's right. And, and, and he was, uh, yeah, for the Bears and the Packers, yeah, he was uh, the best special teams uh, uh, guy. Anytime I um, run into Mike Ditka, which, of course, doesn't happen much anymore unless I go to his restaurant, um, but 
when I was playing, Ditko had already gone to the Dallas Cowboys and then had become a coach, a coach of their special teams, kick, uh, kickoff, punts, and so on. And, uh, and I was a snapper for the Dolphins, so we always had to go out early before the main team to warm up, warm up the kickers and snappers and so on. And uh, Ditka would make a point of always coming over to me and saying, hey, Cooch, how you doing? How's Rudy? Be sure to give him my regards. I'll tell you what, whenever my kids ask me who's the best kick cover guy they've ever seen, I tell them Rudy Kuchenberg. So I thought that was very nice of, of Mike, of Iron Mike, to, to do that. And um, then uh, I guess that's it. Oh, no. You ask me why does, uh, you know, most guys go to Notre Dame. That has a wonderful story to it. Um, in the North-South All-Star Game, uh, Christmas Day, 1964, uh, in the Orange Bowl, ironically, the, where I played all my 15 years, and, and um, the North was playing the South in the Orange Bowl, and the coach of the North team was the brand-new coach at Notre Dame, Eric Parsegan. And Rudy Kuchenberg of Indiana University had uh, the game of his life. He was playing linebacker, and he made tons of tackles, and he actually knocked Roger Staubach, the South quarterback, out of the game. And then they were down by five points with a couple of minutes left and and uh, threw a pass that Rudy intercepted at about his own 35-yard line and uh, did a sideline-to-sideline, you know, broken field run, breaking tackles, and got down to about the three- or four-yard line, (laughs) got hit by four guys and carried the entire stack of humanity into the end zone for for the winning touchdown. And he was awarded the MVP, naturally. So now you have to go from the locker room level, you know, which is ground level, up to the press box in the elevator um, to receive his award. And so he gets in, and and then the elevator door show, shuts, and then it opens again, and there's Eric Parsegan, his head coach, who, you know, he didn't really know very well. And uh, Rudy, in his best salesman-like manner, uh, gutter, gust, you know, gathered all of his, uh, his gumption and, and, and said, Coach, uh, I, I know you probably don't have any scholarships left. Good salesman, right? But, but just in case you do, uh, I've got a kid brother, uh, who's a senior at Hobart High School, not an hour from, from Notre Dame. And he's not very big, not very fast, but he's got all heart. He's got a hell of a big heart. And uh, and uh, so that was it. Then Eric got out and Rudy got his trophy. And and sure enough, a few days later, which is, you know, by then the recruiting season is usually pretty well over by that time. Um, but I get a call from, from Notre Dame uh, asking me to come visit. And as they say, the rest is history. If that if Rudy Kuchenberg doesn't do that, I go to Indiana University. And we went on to win the national championship in 1966. I was a sophomore starter. 
on the offensive line. And uh, it's been rocking and rolling ever since. <laughs> pretty, pretty good story. How, how does one get yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's and it's true. That's the best part. Stranger <laughs> than fiction. Yeah. How, how do you get what's to be not, started? What's not true? What's not true, but flavorable, uh, um, is that uh, yeah, I was born in Gary, Indiana, Gary and Mercy Hospital, um, the same hospital that uh, Michael Jackson was born at. But he's been wanting my autograph ever since until he died, and then uh, you know. But anyway. <laughs> so, so can you sing? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> can, can you I do can the move? I can make prisoners sing. I can tell you that. <laughs> Could you do the moonwalk? Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh-huh. how do you get, how do you get to be a starting lineman as a sophomore at Notre Dame? Well, um, you put on a lot of weight. I mean, I only play, I played in in uh, high school. Played both ways, of course. But we had two tight ends, and we were a running team. And so I played left end, left tight end on offense and defensive end on defense and then uh, only weighed 195 my senior year. Six, I had my full height, 6'2", and change, um, but only weighed 195. Much like Rudy also weighed about 190 when he was a senior in high school. But by the time I'd gotten to Notre Dame as a freshman, I was about 210, and I was a uh, freshman were not eligible to play back then. We didn't even have games back then. But um, I put on 15 pounds or so because I had been lifting weights. And um, then by sophomore season, I was up to 235. And uh, they came to me and uh, said, uh, We'd like you to play offensive, you know, offensive wall line, interior, and uh, why don't you start out at, at tackle, which I did. And um, and then uh, we had uh, the first game of that year, uh, there was a senior tackle who got hurt, and then uh, I came in and played the rest of the way uh, on the uh, national championship team. What was that season like in 66? Incredible. I could talk to you guys just about that. Uh, and, and, and let me give you the highlights, I guess. Um, I could build a cogent argument that by a quirk, a strange quirk of fate, that arguably the best two teams in the history of, of uh, college football came along the same year, Notre Dame and Michigan State. Michigan State was a defending 1965 national champion. And um, they had, in the draft, after, in the 67 draft, after the, you know, the, of the 66 team, um, four of the first six players picked in the entire NFL draft were Spartans. Bubba Smith, Clinton Jones, Gene Washington, the wide receiver, and um, and, the, and the linebacker, uh, George Webster. Remember him? Yes. Yeah. I mean, those were four bad bad actors. And they had a lot more, too, but they 
But so that was a great team. So we didn't have uh, that many first round picks, but 19 out of our starting 22 players, David and Elliot, were played in the NFL for two, three years at least. 19 out of 22 plus five reserves. Uh, like Bob Belden, our third string quarterback after Kerry Hanratty and Coley O'Brien, Bob never got to play, but he ended up on the Dallas Cowboys for two, three years. And um, so on and on and on. We had, like I say, 19 out of 22 and five reserves that made the NFL. So, you know, I don't know of college teams that have ever had four of the first six picks taken to you. No, no. And I don't know of any that have uh, 24 or 25 players uh, make it in the NFL. I mean, that game against Michigan State, I think, is probably, if not the greatest, one of the greatest games in football history. You know, ironically, um, it was so painful. They dominated the first half. Uh, I'm playing right tackle, and Bubba is playing left defensive end. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm even 18 yet. Um, or, uh, let's see, I was, I started uh, when I was from Catholic. So I went to school, first grade was five year old. So I graduated at 17. So I was probably 18 years old, uh, in October. And then this was November 18th. So, so I'm, uh, 18 month, years and two, uh, and two months old. Um, and I'm going against Bubba Smith, who's a senior and six foot eight and whatever, 300 and whatever pounds and, uh, and 88,000 screaming maniacs are on their feet with their hands just kind of like, uh, don't shoot is doing now, you know, the Michael Brown deal. But instead they're chanting, kill Bubba, kill. Kill, Bubba, kill. <laughs> but being a, uh, an English minor, I knew immediately that was an incomplete sentence. It didn't have a subject. Who? Kill what? Kill who? So that was the experience of uh, that day. We dominated the second half. What had happened, Bubba actually got to our quarterback, Hanratty, um, late in the uh, second quarter, like a couple of minutes before halftime, but not because of me, but because our All-American center, George Gedeke, who went on to play for five, six years, seven years with the uh, Broncos, uh, got hurt, broke his ankle. So now our second-string center, a sophomore, Tim Monty, had to be brought in, and so they took Bubba, away from defensive end, where he wasn't getting much done anyway, put him over the nose that made him nose guard, and he just created havoc, wreaked havoc uh, on Tim Monty and broke Terry Hanratty's uh, uh, ankle, so our quarterback was out of the game. And now we've got Coley O'Brien in there. Um, but we ended up dominating the second half and um, missed uh, a short relatively short field goal, 30 yard, 30 or 35, I forget, yard field goal uh, that we would have won 13 to 10. But you know what, guys? Ironically, and this is where uh, 
spirituality comes in. If 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 either team had won that game thirteen to ten, one side would one side would have been wonderfully happy, and the other side walked with pressure. Uh, well, and we also we also wouldn't be talking about that game right now, would we? No. Right. You know, one of the great here things about yeah. 50, yeah. 50 some years later, and we're talking about arguably the greatest game, certainly the most controversial game in NCAA history. And uh, so there you go. I mean, I, I'm just now proud to be able to talk about it. Of course, I'm glad that I <laughs> that Bubba didn't uh, get to my quarterback uh, <laughs> over, from over me anyway. <laughs> Well, and each side can claim some sort of victory in that they didn't lose. Well, they can't. I forgot. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, we had an ace in the hole. That was their last game. We had one remaining game. And by the way, that was a, the day they really criticized ERA for going for the tie by not going for a first down on a fourth and two you know, at the very end of the game. Right. Whereas if we go and they don't make it, they're they're almost uh, in field goal range already. So instead he punted, and we ended up missing a short field goal. But, um, yeah, he got a lot of criticism for, for going for the tie. And here we are, whatever, 60 years or 55 years later, whatever, talking about... Uh, about this 10-10 tie. Oh, I'm sorry. We had our ace in the hole was we had one game remaining with number six USC, the dreaded and hated Trojans. Right. Yep. So we go out and we got to go out to USC and play them there. Um, but we did with our second string quarterback, without our All American center, without we had one of those. By the way, in the Michigan State game, our All-American, our star running back, Nick Eddy, remember that man? Yeah, played for the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he fell off the train. We took a train, the Grand (laughs) Funk Railroad, up to East Lansing, and Nick twisted his ankle getting off the plane on the rock and couldn't play. So we played the game without our star running back. And then the second half without our star quarterback and All-American center and so on and so forth. So we, uh, you know, we were crippled, but we beat USC 51 to nothing. So was it divine intervention or the luck of the Irish? <laughs> 51 to nothing. It's, it's, there's no luck in 51 to nothing. And there's, uh, I don't think divine intervention could have stopped 51 to nothing. <laughs> did it help going up against Alan Page in practice? No, I never did. Uh, yeah. Alan, yeah, I mean, we, Alan, frankly, Alan, is, you know, is arguably, uh, well, not even arguably, Alan Page is inarguably in the top five defensive tackles to ever play the game. He was, uh, in the year that I manhandled him, Super Bowl eight. He had just the year before become the only defensive player, not just lineman, but defensive player, period, in the history of the NFL to be named the MVP, the league's MVP. Yeah. Not 
MVP defense, but MVP three. And uh, I think it's been done since. And uh, I think uh, the Giants. Uh, oh, Lawrence uh, Taylor, I think, did it. Lawrence Taylor got it, yeah. But um, so Alan Page uh, was my teammate at Notre Dame, but he, uh, we never, he played the other end, number once, but I never really uh, recall uh, going up against him. We had, you know, uh, that, that was. Uh, Pete Duranko, Jim Lynch, Kevin Hardy. I mean, we had, uh, these aren't all pro players, but they were certainly all Americans and, uh, and a lot of them. At, at Notre Dame, you didn't go to bowl games then. Would right. you have, li- would you have liked to, or is that just one of the facts of life you accepted when you went to South Bend? Yeah, that was one of the facts. I mean, it was not a, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, that just wasn't even, under consideration, and since um, we won the national championship my sophomore year, there's reason to say, well, now what do you do? How do you best that? And the answer is win it again, uh, which we were unable to do. But um, in terms of bowl games, that we didn't even have the consciousness back then. What I'm reading about, I mean, I'm 43. Elliot's a little, a lot older than me. He, I don't understand is why I'm, you. I'm your age. Elliot's your age, so you're a young 60 some, young late 60s. Forever, forever young, yeah. Forever you got young. it. <laughs> what I don't get is why you quit the Eagles. I mean, isn't it everybody's dream to play in the NFL? Especially for a yeah, team that went two, two and twelve the previous year. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and there was a reason for that. I, I actually, you know, uh, in high school, I should say starting, I've been blessed to have mentors at every level of sports competition, both baseball. I played more baseball as a kid than I, I did football. I mean, uh, started in Little League. We were the state champions. And then in, uh, you know, maximum of 12 year old. Then the next level is what we call Babe Ruth League in Indiana. Um, and that's 15, you know, 13, 14, 15. We won the state championship there and went up to Wisconsin and, um, won that Midwest regional and went to the, the, we don't call it the World Series of, that's Little League. But anyway, so we had a great baseball tradition and, um, as well as football, and um, I could have signed on with the Mets or the White Sox coming out of uh, coming out of college. Why didn't you? Well, I think uh, my record uh, speaks for itself, does it not? <laughs> well, you're pretty successful. <laughs> well, you, you never know what would have happened if you'd chosen baseball, right? Well, yeah, there's been a couple of guys that tried to do both, didn't they? Yeah, uh, you got you. Uh, George, the running back. Yeah, Bo Jackson and. Uh, Actually, there was a guy that was able to do it successfully, but not football, basketball and baseball. Gene Connolly, yeah, remember with, him? Yeah, with yeah. the Celtics, sure, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, and, yeah. And Dave, Dave DeBuschard also. Who, right, pitcher, pitcher for the uh, White Sox and, and Lions, I think. Right. The White, yeah. And, yeah, and he was a great uh, basketball player for the uh, – Pistons, wasn't he? Or no, the Knicks. For, for, the, for, for both teams. I think he played for the yeah. Pistons and the Knicks, so. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, what about Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson? 
Yeah, well, we mentioned Bo Jackson yeah. uh, briefly, but yeah, they they did, but did it elevate either any of those players' uh, careers? No, certainly not Bo Jackson. And um, I mean, you pick one and uh, make it work. That's that's what I see. Has there ever been a superstar in two sports? No, I can't think of one. I can't either. No. <laughs> Going into the NFL draft. Did you have an idea where you might be picked or who might pick you? No, I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, there were, back in those days, the Dallas Cowboys dominated the the market for contacting senior uh, college players. I would say that probably half the damn players that were going into the draft thought they were going to get picked by the Cowboys because uh, Tex Schramm and uh, and the the Cowboys really had it, had their recruiting uh, uh, program down. So they led the league in free agents, including my brother, Rudy, who uh, fell for the bait. (laughs) And he went down there, not once got cut next year. Then then he went to play for the, the Continental League for the Chicago, I'm sorry, Philadelphia Bulldogs and uh, and then got cut from them and went back to Dallas the second year and got cut from them and got picked up, thank God, by the Bears. But um, yeah, Dallas did a great job of, of making uh, all the senior college football players uh, want to be Cowboys and, and think they were going to uh, make the Cowboys team. And uh, like I say, they they led the league in free agent signings, yeah. not necessarily free agent players making their team. <laughs> so what was it, but, Eagles training camp like? Well, so I started to say that everywhere I've been, I've been on championship teams. Little league, high school, college, pro, uh, and, and the first two levels are baseball and football. Uh, in, incredible mentors, uh, the deals that I told you about in high school, and and then uh, era, of course, at Notre Dame. And so, for me to go to the Philadelphia Eagles, who were two and twelve the year before, was, I mean, I didn't get cut, I quit. And uh, did either one of you guys play uh, high school football? No, no then you really don't know what two-a-days are like. Uh, double practices in the heat of August and, and July. And uh, and um, when you lay in your bed at night and you hit the pillow and you, I, you, you try to pinch yourself to not go to sleep because as soon as you go to sleep, bang, it's time to get up. you got to get up. So you want to be able to stay conscious in your bed for a while. And um, every night I would I would ask the Lord, say, Lord, what is the best thing that can happen to me? And the answer would come back, you can win the Super Bowl, or you can win the championship, or you can do this and do that. When I asked on my pillow in Reading, Pennsylvania, Eagles training camp, Lord, why am I doing this? All my friends are out with their 
at the beach with the girlfriends, and I'm here in training camp with the Philadelphia Eagles. What's the best thing can thing that can happen to me, Lord? And the voice came back. You can make this dog shit team. <laughs> so that pretty much sums it up. We will be back with part two of our interview with Bob Kuchenberg after this brief break. You're listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. 